Good morning, everyone. It's a great joy to be with you this morning. People have been making fun of me because I guess I'd start every homily off with it's a great joy to be with you. Um, but it really is. I always look forward to celebrating Mass. And right again, part of the struggle with three priests is we don't see you as often as we'd like. So happy Easter, a season of joy, right? And it's a great joy to be with you this morning. What is God's greatest attribute? I love asking our, our school kids this in, in school. Uh, what is God's greatest attribute? Oftentimes when we hear that question, we think of uh, the wondrous things God has done. The ten plagues, the, the miracles he performed, uh, the, the separating, uh, the passing uh, through the Red Sea. These are found things that God did all throughout the Old Testament, all in the New Testament. What is God's greatest attribute? Brothers and sisters, God's greatest attribute is mercy. And that's what we celebrate today. The second Sunday of Easter is Divine Mercy Sunday. We have this image here of the Divine Mercy Jesus, right? Uh, piercing his heart, allowing blood and water, the rays, to flow out of his heart. O blood and water which gush forth from the heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Many of us know about St. Faustina's diary, Jesus speaking directly to St. Faustina. My image, this image that he's talking about here, this image is in your soul. I desire that there be a feast of mercy. I want this image which we will paint with a brush to be solemnly blessed on the first Sunday after Easter. That Sunday is to be the Feast of Mercy. Later on, she says this, I'm sorry, Jesus says this to St. Faustina. These two rays issued forth from the very depths of my tender mercy when my agonized heart was opened by the lance on the cross. Ask my faithful, that on this day, he tell the whole world of my great mercy. He's talking, she's talking about priests here. Ask my servants, those who preach, that on this day, he may tell the whole world of my great mercy, that whoever approaches the fount of life, the confessional, on this day will be granted complete remission of sins and punishment. Complete remission of sins and punishment. And then Jesus says this, proclaim that mercy is the greatest attribute of God. Mercy, brothers and sisters, is the greatest attribute of God, and that's what we celebrate today. You see, mercy, the forgiveness of sins, God takes what is dead in the soul. Someone who's been uh, separated through sin from God, and he restores them to new life. It's a miracle of grace. And every time we go to confession, we experience this. The returning into good standing, into goodness with the Lord. God's greatest attribute is mercy. I'm sure many of us <clears throat> know the story of St. Faustina, right, living through two world wars in Poland, becoming a religious sister, 
and experiencing some of the great visions, uh, the mystical life with Jesus and having direct conversations with him. One of my favorite stories, I just heard this recently actually, is about her canonization. St. Faustina was the first canonized saint, the first saint to be canonized in the new millennium. In 2000, April 30th, in two, uh, 2000, John Paul II canonizes uh, St. Faustina. Obviously, both from Polish descent, uh, St. John Paul II grew very close to St. Faustina, as well as the Divine Mercy. On April 30th, 2000, that was actually Sunday, the second Sunday of Easter, the Feast of Divine Mercy. And what I think this gift is for the new millennium is St. John Paul II, who lived through some uh, horrific things and saw communism in, in Poland and, and saw wars, and saw the devastation of, of the Holocaust. St. John Paul II said, I think he wants to, to show us that despite the bloodiest century in in history. God's mercy is so much more than that. And may this new millennium, may this new century be marked by God's divine mercy. Mercy is always greater than anything that we think, uh, you know, our sins, sometimes we think, I don't know how to draw close to God because I'm sinful. I've separated myself from him. How could God possibly love me? How could God possibly forgive me? God's mercy is precisely for you. There's nothing that can withhold God's mercy. There's nothing that God can't forgive. At the end of that mass, apparently John Paul II goes back to the sacristy and he begins talking with some of the priests who are there. And he just simply says, this is the happiest day of my life. What is the happiest day of your life? I think many of us would say maybe the day my ordination, the day that I got married, the day that I gave myself to this other person, maybe the day that your child was born. What is the happiest day of your life? For St. John Paul II, the Feast of the Divine Mercy, when he was able to canonize St. Faustina and spread this devotion throughout the whole world. Five years later, I believe it was April 14th, 2005, on the vigil, the night before Divine Mercy Sunday, St. John Paul II dies. Powerful stuff. May God's mercy reign in our hearts, reign today. Whoever draws close will receive bountiful mercy. I want to read uh, another quote for you from her diary of what Jesus says. This is Jesus speaking to St. Faustina. My daughter, know that my heart is mercy itself. From this sea of mercy, graces flow out upon the whole world. No soul that has approached me has ever gone away unconsoled. All misery gets buried in the depths of my mercy. And every saving and sanctifying grace flows from this fountain. My daughter, I desire that this mercy flow out upon the whole world. 
through your heart. Let no one who approaches you go away without that trust in my mercy, which I so ardently desire for souls. All misery gets buried in my mercy, in the depths of my mercy. So the first point for today is God's mercy is for you. All misery. See, misery are those obstacles that prevent us from loving God, from experiencing his grace. Where are you miserable in your life? What's weighing you down? Brothers and sisters, our temptation is to think God's mercy is not for me. What about these terrible things that I've done? What about those things I did in my past? You know, one of the most powerful confessions for me was the first time I went to confession after I was ordained a priest. I was devastated by why, why am I still sinning? I just received this indelible mark. I was changed forever. The grace of the sacrament is so real and so powerful, but yet why do I go back to those sins? It was one of the first times in my life that I actually felt true sorrow, that I began to weep in confession. I don't want to sin anymore. My sin doesn't just affect me, it affects others. Your sin doesn't just, just affect you, right? It affects your spouse, your children. Sometimes the most powerful confessions I hear are those of newlyweds. And seeing their heart of how sorrowful they feel and, and how um, burdened they feel by their sins. I've committed myself to this person for the rest of my life. And I can't love them the way that I desire to. God is your mercy for me. I come back to confession for the same sins, the same things. I'm ashamed. God's mercy is for you. The second and last point for today, I just want to zoom in on our gospel a little bit. Today, of course, we have this great reading of St. Thomas, right? We could say he's the patron saint of all those who doubt. We who doubt at times, we who struggle to believe, St. Thomas is with us. So what's going on here? On the, eve on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, this is Easter Sunday night, right? We heard this last week, and what happens? Peter and John run to the tomb. The women have already come. The stone is rolled. And they go there. Well, this is that evening. You see, they're afraid. They go and lock the door. They're in the upper room uh, for fear of the Jews, it says. They don't know what to do. They don't know uh, kind of where to go. They've been walking with this man, the Messiah, for three years. He's resurrected. They have hope. They have joy. But they don't know what to do. And all of them are there except one except Thomas. Jesus appears behind those closed doors, behind the locked doors, and says, peace be with you. He breathes on them, receive the Holy Spirit. But Thomas isn't there. So when the apostles go and tell Thomas, we have seen the risen Lord, he exists, he's real. Thomas doubts. He's skeptical. What am I supposed to do? I can't believe unless I put my fingers 
into the nail marks and my hand into his side and feel and see those wounds. Eight days later. It had been the second Sunday of Easter, Divine Mercy Sunday. Despite that doubt, Jesus still encounters Thomas. Again, the doors were shut, they were locked. And Jesus breaks in behind those doors and comes to them, peace be with you. Why is it that Thomas doubts? Why is it that Thomas can't just trust the apostles, his friends? I think the simple thought is this. We struggle to believe when we're not in the church. We struggle to have faith when we're not inside the church. Brothers and sisters, faith cannot be lived on its own. What was Thomas doing? He was alone. And sometimes this is our temptation, especially in America. Self-reliance, I'll get through it. I know how to get through this. I'll just wipe the knuckle my way through these things. I can do this all on my own. I don't need others. I don't even need God. We struggle to believe, we struggle to grow, unless we're inside the church. What was early Christianity like? Our first reading describes it perfectly. Acts 2.42, and they, the apostles, the early Christians, the disciples, they held steadfastly to the apostles' teachings and fellowship to the breaking of the bread and to the prayers. These are the pillars of the church, the early church in many ways. The breaking of the bread, the Eucharist, the apostles' teaching, that which flows from Jesus, to fellowship, to community, and to the prayers. God's mercy is for you. Some of us, we feel like we don't belong in the church. Maybe because we have grave sins on our souls, grave sins on our conscience. Sometimes there might be people here today who come to Mass and they don't know the movements. I don't know when to sit. I don't know when to stand. I don't know when to kneel. Or maybe you know all those things. But you still look out at others and you think, I'll never be that holy. That person over there, they seem perfect. That person over there, they seem like they have it all figured out. Brothers and sisters, be in the church. We exist in a community of believers. And it's only in the church that God is able to shower upon his mercy. Today, draw close to the mercy of God. His mercy is for you. So Jesus, as we turn to you today, we say the same words of Thomas. My Lord and my God, Help us to kneel down, to bow down and worship to you. Help us to love you above all things. And Jesus, we beg you to shower us in your mercy today.